Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Before we get into it, be advised that this series contains bad language and references to violence. It's a sunny day in downtown Portland, Oregon, but the air is thick with tension. It's August 22nd, 2020, and I am outside of Portland Police Headquarters. Jostling bodies pack the street. There are men in black helmets and Kevlar vests openly carrying AR-15s. Bikers with MAGA flags draped from their motorcycles. Proud boys and oath keepers in gas masks and bandanas who have formed a battle line. Their wooden shields are painted with pro-Trump and QAnon slogans. I'm here to cover a far-right rally. The Facebook event declared it the mother of all back-the-blue rallies. Portland has been ground zero for far-right street violence over the last few months. I'm filming on my phone, wearing a vest and a helmet labeled press. But I know that won't be enough to protect me. Some anti-fascist demonstrators in Black Lives Matter t-shirts start a counter-chant with drums. They're outnumbered, but they square off with their opponents. I'm right in the thick of it, eye to eye with a bearded proud boy named Alan Swinney, who threatens to mace me. 
He's kind of a local celebrity in Portland fascist circles. Later today, he'll pull a gun on a BLM activist. Someone throws a jug of orange juice into the crowd, and things escalate. A Back the Blue supporter hurls smoke bombs and improvised flashbangs into the crowd. Four right-wingers start beating an unarmed man with baseball bats. A line of Proud Boys charges at the anti-fascist protesters. People are knocked to the ground, and Oath Keepers pile in, kicking and spraying mace. Out of nowhere, a proud boy with a blue shield emblazoned with God Bless America runs right at me. He smashes the phone out of my hands with a police baton. I double over. My hand is broken in two places. I confront my attacker, holding up my bloody hand. He attempts and fails to knock me back with his shield. It's a thousand-person street fight, 10 feet in front of Portland Police Headquarters. But no arrests are made. In fact, law enforcement never move in on the crowd. The closest they get to riot control is an officer parked outside a nearby Starbucks. He tells the protesters to play nice from inside his car. Just over four months later, on January 6th, many of the far-right activists who honed their tactics on the streets of Portland, while police look the other way, will make their way to the Capitol. Last episode, we heard the stories of officers who fought tooth and nail against the rioters. This time, we meet the cops on the opposite side of the battle lines. At least 20 current or former members of law enforcement have been charged with crimes related to the January 6th insurrection. Even more have been suspended, dismissed, or are currently under investigation by their local department. Even the Capitol Police themselves, the officers charged with defending the building, have placed over 35 officers under investigation and suspended at least six. The vast majority, officers like Harry Dunn and Sergeant Gonnell, fought heroically. But a small number put their arms around rioters and posed for selfies. Patriots are taking selfies together with Capitol Police inside the Capitol. <laughs> or they beckoned the invaders into the Capitol building, urging them on, and the so-called patriots loved it. Police are doing nothing. They're not even trying to stop us at this point. I've seen for myself the way police handle far-right groups like the Proud Boys and local militias is decidedly hands-off. The question is, why? Because there's no doubt about it. This permissiveness of right-wing violence, which stretches back decades, was a key ingredient in the toxic stew that led to January 6th. So it's time to address one of the scariest questions about the riot. How come so many cops were part of the mob? From the teams at Cool Zone Media, iHeartRadio, and Novel, this is The Assault on America, Episode 7, The Lost Cause.
The first Black Lives rally in Rocky Mount, I was very impressed with the number of people that came out that day. Children, older people, young black people, young white people, older black people, older white people. Penny Edwards Blue grew up in Franklin County in the foothills of Virginia's Blue Ridge Mountains. She moved back after a career in tech and is now the only black member of the local school board. She's describing a rally that took place in June 2020 in Rocky Mount, a rural town in Franklin of about 5,000 people. It was Rocky Mount's first ever BLM turnout, and it was a good one. The sun was shining. People were out with signs. Everyone was very nice to each other. When cars passed by and they saw the signs, most people honked. And the sheriff spoke, and he also had a black deputy speak. There was a sense of determination, but also elation. There was dancing. Do you remember that rash of videos in early 2020 of cops dancing at BLM rallies? Freeze! Everybody clap your hands! Well, it happened here, too. As they moved on to the next part of the march, they did do some dancing. Police officers and protesters did the electric slide. Sidestepping in unison, next to the farmer's market. The police department handed out water bottles and, as the afternoon wore on, an officer brought the protesters McDonald's Happy Meals and pizza. One of the dancing protesters was a young hairdresser named Bridget Craighead. Bridget founded the local Black Lives Matter chapter and asked Penny to mentor her. After the protest, Bridget was brimming with optimism about the reception they'd had from the cops. She thought she'd made a breakthrough because these cops were dancing with her. What you have to understand about history is they did that during slavery. The master's children played with the slave children. Yet when they grew up, they treated them as slaves and treated them harshly. Just because someone is dancing with you and smiling with you and having a conversation with you does not mean they have your best interest at heart. In a photo from the rally, Bridget stands side by side with two police officers. Sergeant Thomas T.J. Robertson has a wide, clean-shaven face. Officer Jacob Fracker has dark sunglasses and a goatee. They all hold signs painted with slogans, Just Us Isn't Justice, and Silence Equals Violence. Police and the people united. Everyone is smiling. Seven months later, on January 6th, 2021, a very different image finds its way onto the internet. It's another selfie featuring officers Fracker and Robertson, but this time they're not smiling. This time the two cops are glaring down at the camera. They look angry and hyped up. Fracker is flipping his middle finger. Behind them looms a white marble statue of the revolutionary general, John Stark. There's only one place they could be, the Statuary Hall in the heart of the U.S. Capitol. They've traveled there from Virginia to join the riot. 
The picture shoots around Rocky Mount, lighting up phones and computer screens all around town. Within a week of the riot, all hell breaks loose. Tonight, Tonight, two Rocky Mount police officers are on administrative leave and are being investigated by federal authorities. Protesters going head-to-head outside the Rocky Mount Town Council meeting Monday night. On January 13th, Fracker and Robertson are arrested on federal charges. After a public outcry, they lose their jobs at Rocky Mount's tiny police department. And at the time of recording, they're awaiting trial. But the story doesn't end there. Because the case of officers Fracker and Robertson has split their community right down the middle. There are those in Rocky Mount who are aghast that two of their officers invaded the U.S. Capitol. And there are many others who think that the Justice Department is being overzealous in prosecuting two cops with previously spotless records. So who are these police officers who dance with BLM one day and attack democracy the next? What do they have to say for themselves? Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers... Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does the hard parts for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billings, scheduling, and more with a home management team that provides support before, during, and after your stay so you can focus on the relaxing, hosting, and making memories with family and friends. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. With Picasso, you can stop saying someday 
and start building family traditions today in a vacation home you own and revisit time after time. Visit Picasso.com today to see thousands of luxury vacation home listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O.com. It's very rare if you're a journalist to have a police officer readily answer your questions. This is Mike Allen, a journalist who lives near Rocky Mount. He works for the Roanoke Times, where he covers politics in Franklin County. Franklin County has a kind of colorful reputation. Its nickname is the moonshine capital of the world. Mike loves the history of Franklin County so much that he has, quite literally, bought the T-shirt. I'm not wearing it right now, though. When it came out that two Rocky Mount police officers had invaded the Capitol, Mike was quick to get in touch. To his surprise, Sergeant Robertson and Officer Fracker were willing to speak. T.J. Robertson was very eager to expound on his side of the story. Jacob Fracker was at first a bit more cautious, but later he also communicated with me. And my impression, for what it is worth, is that both of these fellows were absolutely convinced that they had done nothing wrong. How could two police officers charged with upholding the law fail to understand that storming the seat of American democracy is a no-no, legally speaking? The answer, as is so often the case, lies in the trail of their social media communications. In November 2020, following the presidential election and the rollout of Ali Alexander's Stop the Steal campaign, which we covered in episode two, T.J. Robertson became increasingly outspoken on Facebook. His words here, as laid out in his FBI indictment, are spoken by an actor. Being disenfranchised by fraud is my hard line. I've spent most of my adult life fighting a counterinsurgency. I'm about to become part of one, and a very effective one. Like his colleague, Officer Fracker, Sergeant T.J. Robertson is a military veteran who has done tours in both Iraq and Afghanistan. When Robertson talks about insurgencies, he's not kidding around. Civility has left me. I'm tired of always taking the high road and being beat by those who cheat, lie, and steal to win, and then allow their media to paint me as the bad guy. I won't be disenfranchised. I'll follow the path our founders gave us. Redress of grievances, already done. Civil disobedience, here and now. And then open-armed rebellion. I've spent the last 10 years fighting an insurgency in Iraq and Afghanistan. I'm prepared to start one here and know a bunch of like-minded and trained individuals. On Monday, January 4th, Two days before the riot, he writes, I'll be in D.C. Wednesday to peacefully protest. The day after? We shall see. So, how did the peaceful protest turn out? Jacob Fracker and T.J. Robertson went into the Capitol in about the middle of the time of greatest turmoil, though they both told me in interviews that they didn't see any violence happening around them as they went in. Fracker would message a friend that he was the eighth person inside the Capitol. If this is true, it would be pretty astounding if he saw no violence against police on his way in. But Fracker and Robertson have always maintained that they weren't involved in any violence. 
They simply walked in and walked out. They really, really took pains to convey to me that as they saw it, all they had done was take part in a peaceful protest. Anybody who's familiar with the case, who hears me say that, is immediately going to think about some of the things that both of these men posted on social media that actually sound very militant and like they are advocating for violence. But they swore that they had done nothing wrong, that they were just participating in a protest. On January 8th, Robertson took to Facebook to celebrate his participation in the peaceful protest from two days before. The next revolution started in D.C. 1621. The only voice these people will now listen to is violence. So respectfully, buckle armor or just stay at home. The word violence in that post, by the way, is in all caps. And there's more. The picture of senators cowering on the floor with genuine fear on their faces is the most American thing I've seen in my life. Once, for real, you people actually realized who you work for. For his part, Officer Fracker shared a video with friends on Facebook, saying that he hadn't been that hyped up since Afghanistan. For good measure, he added, Shit was wild, lol. I pissed in Nancy P's toilet. T.J. Robertson told me that those statements were essentially meant to be editorial statements or hyperbole or, you know, sort of cheering for the team that they weren't supposed to be taken literally. People obviously have their own opinions about that. And you'll probably have your own opinion about this, too. The most recent development, which is kind of mind-boggling, is that T.J. Robertson, after he was released on bond, under conditions that he not possess any guns, proceeded to buy more than 30 guns online and have them shipped to a gun dealer, essentially, in Roanoke. As well as receipts for 34 guns, the police found a partially constructed pipe bomb in Robertson's home. He claims he owned it for police training purposes. Whatever the case, his bail has been revoked and he is awaiting trial from prison. The Rocky Mount police force is small, about 20 officers strong, and the fact that two of them have allegedly been planning an insurgency online and amassing weapons while out on bail, it's scary stuff. And the unavoidable truth is that it's scarier for black Americans than it is for white Americans. Of course I bought a gun earlier this year. And I put cameras around my house. Penny Blue, who was at Rocky Mount's first BLM event, sees the Capitol riot as a racist event, a largely white crowd protesting election results from largely black areas, egged on, as she sees it, by an overtly racist president. She recognizes the dynamics clearly enough from her own childhood growing up in the 60s in Franklin County. Back then, she and a couple of other kids were the first black students in the newly integrated schools. Certain elements of the local community were less than welcoming. The KKK burnt a cross in another family's yard that had sent their children to the white school system. 
So my dad went to visit them and talk to them, and then he came back and went to the Union Hall store where the guys sit around and talk and share news. And he basically said he heard it was a cross burning in these people's yards last night. He said, I just want everybody to know if it's some white sheets in my yard that's not on Helen's line, they will be full of bullet holes. Today, Penny still feels under threat in her own community. Remember the BLM rally from earlier? While Penny Blue and Rocky Mount residents were peacefully demonstrating, the local militia hid just out of view, armed and watching. We have pictures of the militia that was right down the street. So we had children and grandparents out there that day, and they had the militia with guns across the street. If the militia had been visible at my rally, that would have concerned me very much. Militia groups like these often claim that they're turning up to keep everyone safe and make sure things stay calm, because what's more calming than a troop of anonymous white gunmen shadowing a BLM protest? And the way Penny sees it, these militia groups are driven by the same forces that took officers Fracker and Robertson to the Capitol on January 6th. And I'm not talking about online radicalization or the ratcheting power of social media, which pushes people towards ever more extreme beliefs. I'm talking about something much deeper. Most people need to understand their history a little better. If you understood your history a little better, then you would uh, understand a lot more of what's going on today. A lot of people talk about the Confederate flag and it being in the Capitol and that being such a big deal. We're living in Franklin County. Uh, we see the Confederate flag all the time. Penny volunteers at the Booker T. Washington National Monument in Franklin County. It's the estate and farmhouse where Booker T. Washington, the educator and author, was born into slavery. I have learned that success is to be measured not so much by the position that one has reached in life as by the obstacles which he has overcome while trying to succeed. Penny spends her free time dressed up as Washington's mother, giving history lessons to visitors. For her, the Capitol riot is just the latest iteration of an ancient battle that's always been part of the story of America. Those who back the January 6th rioters say the storming of the Capitol had nothing to do with racism. Penny argues that a casual glance back at the history books reveals some striking parallels. It amazed me the number of people that tried to tell me that the Civil War was not about slavery. And when you have the conversation, oh, it, it was about states' rights. Yes, states' rights to own slaves. The idea that the Civil War wasn't actually about slavery is known as the Lost Cause narrative. It paints the Confederate states as heroic and erases the horrors of the slave trade. According to Lost Cause mythology, enslaved people were happy and even grateful to their antebellum masters. It's basically lying about history. I tie that to the insurrection because they show it on TV, in the news, almost on a daily basis, yet Congress people who one day were afraid for their lives now are saying it was just people that were visiting the Capitol. On, on January 6th, I never felt threatened. I didn't. Watching the TV footage of those who entered the Capitol and walked through Statuary Hall. I knew those are people that love this country. You would actually think it was a normal tourist visit. Even though we can see it with our own eyes, it's trying to rewrite history. It wasn't, it wasn't an armed invasion by a brigade of dangerous white supremacists. Those are lies. Those are, those are lies. 
So this is why Penny was unsurprised to learn that two local cops would be joining the far-right throng at the insurrection. To her, it's just the natural evolution of the deeply rooted beliefs a lot of people in her community hold. Trump did not have to radicalize anyone. They learned this from birth. All he did was take advantage of what was there. And I don't want to speak anything into existence. But just to say, I am not surprised that Donald Trump was elected. I am not surprised about the insurrection. And I don't know what the next things will be. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does the hard parts for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billings, scheduling, and more with a home management team that provides support before, during, and after your stay so you can focus on the relaxing, hosting, and making memories with family and friends. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. With Picasso, you can stop saying someday and start building family traditions today in a vacation home you own and revisit time after time. Visit Picasso.com today to see thousands of luxury vacation home listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. The events in Franklin County are a microcosm of modern America. Cops going bad, society at each other's throats, and right at the heart of it all, two competing narratives, not just about the election, but about America's history. 
And this kid glove treatment of the far right, it doesn't just happen in small town PDs or during BLM Proud Boy clashes in major cities. It also happens at a policy level, right at the very top. Someone who has seen this firsthand is a security expert named Daryl Johnson. Like Penny Blue, Daryl wasn't remotely surprised by the events of January 6th. He comes from a conservative Mormon family in Utah and, on paper, has a background that wouldn't have sounded out of place at the Capitol on January 6th. But Daryl has dedicated his career to confronting right-wing domestic extremism. He's a former analyst at the Department for Homeland Security. Today, he runs a consulting firm called DT Analytics. And the reason he no longer works for the DHS is quite a story. When I sat down with Daryl, he told me that groups like the Franklin County Militia follow the pattern he's seen playing out nationally with other far-right militias like the Oath Keepers. These people are recruited with specialized skill sets that they've learned in the military and police forces. They have access to investigative information as well as, you know, maybe classified information. So it poses a unique threat, an insider threat or counterintelligence threat. Just to be clear, there's been no implication that Jacob Fracker and T.J. Robertson were members of the Oath Keepers. But their rhetoric on social media bears a lot of similarities to the idea that the militiamen subscribed to. Plus, you know, Robertson bought 34 guns while out on bail and banned from owning a firearm. I think a lot of militia guys would approve. These anti-government militia groups are getting more agitated and more active and been arming themselves for the past couple of decades, and they are definitely the most capable of conducting a mass act of violence, uh, just with the sheer amount of weaponry that they hoard and ammunition that they've stockpiled. This is a threat as old as America itself. Daryl has seen the far-right recruiting people with military and law enforcement experience many times across his career. Daryl knows as well as anyone what can happen when trained soldiers become extremists. Chaos in downtown Oklahoma City after what police believe to be a 1,200-pound car bomb ripped through the nine-story federal building. In 1995, Timothy McVeigh, a decorated U.S. Army veteran, murdered 168 people when he detonated a homemade fertilizer bomb at the Alfred P. Murrah Federal Building in Oklahoma City. And in its shadow, the exhausted, who for a day and a half now have sifted through its debris and counted its dead and seen up close why they call it terror. Daryl witnessed the aftermath of that terror firsthand when he visited the wreckage soon after. The makeshift memorial was still up uh, with the various notes and flowers and teddy bears tied to the fencing. The candlelight vigils were still laying on the sidewalks. And I made a commitment to myself that I would do anything I could to try to prevent the next terrorist attack, either against the military overseas or here at home. McVeigh was a veteran and an anti-government white supremacist. The bombing triggered a major crackdown on right-wing extremists by federal authorities. The Department of Justice, the FBI, ATF, and others disrupted many plots, rounded up key leaders on conspiracy and other charges, and disrupted these groups and movements. And it worked. According to data from bipartisan think tank, the Center for Strategic and International Studies, in 1995, there were 43 major right-wing terrorist attacks and plots in the USA, around 85% of all terrorist incidents. By 2002, that fell to 15%, with only four right-wing plots or attacks. And as the right-wing terror threat declined, 9-11 came along. Oh my God, another plane has just hit. 
Suddenly, the state security apparatus was throwing everyone at combating Islamic extremism. Everyone apart from one guy. When I arrived at Homeland Security, I was actually the only person at the Office of Intelligence and Analysis monitoring this threat. That's right. In the mid-aughts, the Department of Homeland Security had just one person analyzing far-right threats. And, you know, the crazy thing is, the Oklahoma City bombing hadn't really been all that long ago. But in 2008, two things happened that changed everything. Barack Obama, 47 years old, will become the president-elect of the United States. The Dow tumbled more than 500 points after two pillars of the street tumbled over the weekend. Lehman Brothers, a 158-year-old firm, filed for bankruptcy. Barack Obama becomes the first black president of the United States, and the financial crash plunges the world into an economic crisis. Membership of white supremacists and other far-right groups begins to surge. I remember reading literature by white supremacists years ago talking about when a black occupies the White House as be the lowest point in America. And here that realization came true. Add the financial crash to Obama's presidency and you have the perfect storm for far-right recruitment. The economic downturn creates fear. People want to blame or scapegoat their economic problems. You know, jobs going overseas, immigrants coming in, taking American jobs. So those two main things created this fertile ground for recruitment and radicalization among white supremacists and militia groups and sovereign citizens. And some of these groups make a point of recruiting directly from the police. They called out the linkage between returning military veterans and these extremist groups targeting them for recruitment to boost their violent capabilities. Based on Daryl sounding the alarm, the Department of Homeland Security begins to scale up his department. By 2009, his one-man band has grown to a team of eight. And we actually had plans of hiring more people because there was so much work to do. In April 2009, Daryl and his team put everything they've learned into a report. It's a guide to help law enforcement around the country deal with new threats. There are a lot of documents like this released every year, and most of the time they only reach a niche audience. But this time was different. A new report by the Department of Homeland Security creating quite a stir. It's entitled, quote, Right-Wing Extremism, Current Economic and Political Climate, Fueling Resurgence and Radicalization and Recruitment. Here it is. The right-wing media machine painted the report as a partisan attack on the political right. Speak out, get shut down. Shut down. Even just the words right-wing extremism got denounced as a political tool that was being used to demonize ordinary conservatives and good old-fashioned patriots. Their definition of a right-wing extremist sounds awfully close to somebody who might simply just disagree with the Obama administration. Daryl's analysis of how the far right targets former soldiers because of their military experience was framed as an attack on veterans. Right-wing right -wing extremist activity. For example, they would define it as people that maybe think we're not controlling our borders, people that have pro-life bumper stickers. This is nothing more than concerned Americans exercising their First, First Amendment, Amendment rights. rights. And the left and the Obama administration is clearly trying, trying to take it away. Right. Am, I, am I an extremist for uh, saying in God we trust? No. Yeah. Daryl watched the backlash play out on his TV, reeling. It was actually kind of shocking and surreal to sit there and see people spinning it politically. 
We have a Department of Homeland Security equating, you know, our domestic terrorism with, you know, the vets coming home from Iraq. Taking things out of context and just outright making up lies about it. It seems like they're more concerned with the threat here at home than they are the threat abroad. I was conservative, Mormon, third generation Republican when I wrote that report. And uh, they were trying to say it was some sort of uh, political insider on the left that was somehow trying to demonize the far right and the conservative movement. Despite the media fallout, Darrell trusted his bosses to back him. My leadership at DHS, they knew the type of analyst I was. They knew that I did good work. But days later, Homeland Security Secretary Janet Napolitano made a public apology to veterans for the report. And behind the scenes, things changed drastically. What happened with this political firestorm is they immediately shut down all the valuable work that we were doing, training that we were giving. All of the uh, intelligence reporting, finished intelligence that we were working on came to a stop. Darrell was told that it's just a temporary measure until the controversy dies down. But that was just a cover to reorganize, to dismantle the team, reassign us to do other work. By 2010, there was nobody at the Office of Intelligence Analysis doing this type of work on the level that we were doing earlier. Not long after, Daryl quit and found a job in the private sector. He felt unmoored, politically and personally. You know, that really caused me to do a lot of self-reflection. So today, I'm a different person than I was, you know, 10, 11, 12 years ago because of that experience. A lot more moderate, uh, tolerant, and more independent than I ever been. Daryl sounded the alarm for what we saw on January 6th, 12 years early, but he was shouted down. Today, the number of right-wing plots and attacks have surpassed the peak they reached in the mid-1990s. Right-wing terrorism accounted for over 90% of all terrorist plots and attacks in the United States between January and May 2020, according to the Center for Strategic and International Studies. Darrell believes that to truly break the cycle of far-right radicalization in the United States, something significant needs to change. Conservative voices need to get on board. If I can call out this threat, being a conservative Mormon Republican, uh, why can't my fellow Republicans in Congress do the same? And I still challenge them to this day to do the right thing and to call out this threat and to condemn it. Because failing to do that has allowed these groups to proliferate, and it actually emboldens these people. For Penny, seeing the violence of the far right play out on the ground, and Daryl trying to stop far right attacks as a senior member of law enforcement in Washington, the Capitol riot did not come out of the blue. For Penny, the riot and its subsequent retelling is an eerie echo of the lost cause narrative that the Civil War was about states' rights, not upholding slavery. In both cases, violence is whitewashed as noble patriotism. For Darrell, the conservative backlash, which hampered efforts to tackle right-wing domestic terrorism and painted his vital report as a left-wing attack, laid the groundwork for a far-right surge on January 6th. In both cases, the truth about oppressive, racist, or otherwise radical right forces is obscured by a story that makes any attempt to call them out an attack on ordinary, well-meaning conservatives. In my home of Portland, Oregon, I've seen the effects of this firsthand. 
Violent rallies like the one we heard at the start of this episode, where my hand was broken by a proud boy, are now a regular occurrence. If you've only caught occasional hazy stories from our city on the news, you've likely missed a key part of the story, which is that, time and again, Portland police have sat by and allowed Proud Boys to drive through town, beating unarmed protesters and shooting pedestrians with paintball guns. This permissive attitude made Portland a safe place for these groups to get experience and test tactics before rioting in places like Washington, D.C. On December 21st, 2020, armed far-right protesters breached the windows of the Oregon State Capitol, Salem, roughly an hour from Portland. In what would prove an eerie prelude to January 6th, they assaulted journalists, broke windows, and maced police officers in their attempt to assault elected leaders. What happened in D.C. on January 6th was not a surprise to anyone who paid attention to the far right in Oregon. These people have made their plans and goals clear for quite some time. The bravery of individual Capitol Police officers does not change the fact that none of this would be happening without the acquiescence and active support of law enforcement officers around the country. In the next and final episode, we meet the army of digital sleuths who have risen up to identify rioters. This is one of the leaders. This is a person who has come here with all of this information, who has a plan. In this final installment, we go inside the digital dragnet. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, Cheap Caribbean Vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive budget beach finder. Or find a featured all-inclusive package to Ocean by H10 Hotels and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com.